Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Do not bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I ask to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Thank you, Andrew. How exciting that you and Jess are engaged. That's very good, brother. You should share with us uh, what happened, when did it happen, how did it happen. We'll watch the video next week. Look forward to seeing it. Uh, thank you, Shane, Van, team. Fantastic. Last week we started a series on Teach Us to Pray. Uh, Shane took us through uh, those first few verses from Luke 11, the Lord's Prayer. And uh, Julianne graciously tonight uh, led us again in the Lord's Prayer. And uh, the verses we had tonight sort of flow out of that, Teach Us to Pray. Uh, Shane last week uh, helped us understand the intimacy we have in that prayer with God. And he modelled that with the the rock known as uh, Iris Morris, who didn't move, uh, Isaac Morris, and indeed Shane on his skateboard. You remember that? Who moved? Uh, Shane moved, not the rock. Uh, God doesn't move when it comes to prayer. And we keep saying to each other, we want to see God do a powerful thing, and so we've got to keep calling upon him to do stuff. Last week we shared that goal, and Shane said it again tonight, everyone praying, all ministers and ministries having prayer support, 10% of each congregation to gather to pray before each service. We did that tonight uh, in the meeting room down here at uh, 5.30. So we encourage you uh, to gather to pray, not just indeed on a Sunday before a service, but in all areas of life. Uh, People like Julianne, who's a public prayer and as a great prayer needs to model it to others. Uh, Youth leaders need to model it to young people etc. And so we all need to be modelling that to all those around us. If we truly do want to become like Greg Bell, what an awesome thought, Um, which means to become like Jesus doesn't it? Yeah that's what it means. I wonder by the time we get home tonight though really because I'm guessing as awesome as Shane is I'm guessing it's taken hours and hours and hours of practice to get as good as Greg. I'm sort of just guessing. I wonder if in a year's time, two years' time, you'd like to say to someone, man, you are awesome at prayer. You must have spent time stopping and praying before God. And it does take time. It's not something that's just going to happen overnight. Uh, in all areas of our life we have to do this. And so this is really important. And why is, it, why is prayer important? Because Shane shared we have a mission and vision. And let me give you a glimpse of just some of the things we are praying for. And I know you all know that out there in the foyer on the wall are our big, hairy, audacious prayers, which are also in our vision book. But let's just hear some things we're praying for in our 2020 vision. We pray that God will use us to facilitate 10,000 people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. 
Coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Not just turning up at carols. Coming to faith in Jesus. Uh, we pray that God will use us to personally disciple a thousand new Christians. The last few weeks for those who are old like me who came to the grandparent conference, uh, the last dot point, we pray that through the national grandparent movement, 100,000 grandparents will become influenced and shaped the next generation. Uh, that's a big number. The third dot, we pray that God will use us to train 20 young people as interns and send people off into future ministry. I mean, what are you praying for for Naomi? That she has a great time in Fiji and that God watches over and she grows? What about when she comes back? What about the end of the year? What about next year? What about the next three to five years? How are you praying to move her and others along the pathways of disciples so God can use them into the future? Uh, what is prayer? Prayer is this earthly request for heavenly intervention. An earthly request for heavenly intervention, for God to do something that we cannot do. And we need to emphasise we cannot do this. Uh, and yet in years to come, if we keep praying and gathering and seeing God move, then maybe it's true that our mission and vision will indeed become something of a reality. And all the things in life, we have good days, we have bad days, we have challenging days. I don't think at all in my teenage years I prayed. I don't think I really started to even get the concept of prayer till in my 20s and probably late 20s and primarily because I started to hang around other Christians as I listened to their prayers and watched them pray. I think that was a very powerful thing. But in life, sometimes prayer is that in silence and you're talking to this invisible God. And you're thinking, are you there? And maybe sometimes when we're praying we can get distracted. I think the great example of being distracted is young Homer Simpson. Um, always getting distracted. But if you all of a sudden have a quiet moment, lots of things start coming into your mind. Oh, I should have, I forgot to tell Rhonda that. I should have done that at church. I needed to text that person. I should have emailed it. And it's like I've got to get through that process before I even then start to, okay, I can just quieten down and start to pray. It's an important aspect of our life with God and yet sometimes there are challenges. Uh, my go-to guy in, in terms of struggle biblically is Job. And in Job, I won't talk about Job, but between the chapters 10 to 20, Job's really upset with God, you've got to realise that, upset with his friends. And you get to about the middle of that, chapter 13, 14, and Job is ready to stand before God and state his, state his case. I want to stand before God and tell him where he's wrong. And later Job will say this in Job 21, 15, Who is the Almighty that we should serve him? What would we gain by praying to him? Job is not very happy in how he's going and that's only chapter 21, he's got a whole other journey to go. Chapter 24, From the city the dying groan and the throat of the wounded cries for help, yet God pays no attention to their prayer. You've got to be direct about prayer. Job is very direct in his challenge. The psalmist captures a lot of the struggle in life. Uh, in the midst of Christ's passion, we call it, he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Prayer is this genuine struggle of asking and seeking and knocking. And so here's this context, as we saw last week, uh, you know, and, and it's in the silence um, where the disciples see something about Jesus. And you see that one day Jesus was praying in a certain place when he finished 
one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And I love that little caption, silence isn't empty, it's full of answers. Often we're good at talking to each other, but it's in the slowing down, the quietness, the pondering, you actually start to get answers. It may not be the answers you thought you'd get. And yet the disciples noticed something in Jesus. And I just sometimes wonder, wouldn't it be amazing to be there watching Jesus, to me, watching Jesus pray? Did he do it out loud? Was there something in his posture? Was he on his knees? To me, I'm just fascinated. How did he do it? Because they saw something and thought, Lord, can can you teach us this? And so that's what Shane shared with us last week about prayer and the power of prayer and engaging with God. Uh, and I love how the old ones understood the power of prayer. A really old evangelist uh, like Langdon about 100 years ago, Deal Moody, had a very close friend called R.A. Torrey and he said this about prayer. When the devil sees a man or woman who really, really believes in prayer, who knows how to pray and who really does pray and above all when he sees a whole church on its face before God in prayer, he trembles as much as he ever did for he knows that his day in that church or community is at an end and maybe for those who are like that verse from 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, when my people call on me um, it, it's a fascinating thing that God what can you do what would you do and people are always challenging Jesus they did that back then the rich young ruler in Luke's gospel Lord what do I have to do to receive eternal life and so he'll get questioned about lots of things so it shouldn't surprise us that in this area of spiritual growth prayer Lord help us pray are there secrets to prayer hmm. maybe do we need further uh, study do I need a bachelor's theology or a master's uh, I don't know you know Shane's already captured Jesus called just just come follow me I will equip you for all the things you need in this life to engage with God and with each other and so we jump into this question there's a couple of things that I think in the silence of that moment uh, contextually that Jesus teaches us some things about life about God and about prayer the first one is just about life we jump in uh, then Jesus said to them suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say friend lend me three loaves of bread a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him and suppose the one inside answers don't bother me the door is already locked in my children and I are in bed I can't get up and give you anything I can't Not that I really don't feel like it, I won't, I can't. Now you need to understand some context here that hospitality in the early century was very important. It was a very big statement about who you are. And again, even the household context, uh, most Palestinian homes were not multi-roomed facilities. More than likely they were just one-room type things. Uh, The weird movie I have in my head is uh, what Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the original one, with the grandparents and the mum and dad. And it's, just, it's a really odd for those of you. Anyone can remember it? It's just a, a really odd image. But it was like that. Don't come and wake us up. Uh, and food, of course, you had to really preserve it and work with it each day. It's not as if you had lots of fridges that you could use to store it overnight. And let alone my children, don't wake the sleeping baby. Done. 
The first experience I had that was many years ago. My eldest brother uh, had our first little uh, niece and we were living uh, up the, at Winona in a two-storey uh, unit and uh, Malcolm and Anne came in and what Malcolm did, good brother, he sent his wife to go before him up the stairs. Tell everyone to be quiet. Alison's asleep. We don't know to wake up. And so she came, Anne came up and everyone to be quiet. They bring little Alison in, put in the room in the bed, shut the door quietly and then the whole conversation had to be really quiet. Just so... New parents, aren't they weird? Just so you don't wake the sleeping baby. And so there's an absolute practical thinking behind that, but we've got to get that sense. And also the other thing to pick up in this lesson about life, sometimes the need of others drive us to do things if compared to if it was our own need. So if you or I were just hungry, may not worry about, oh, I'll let it go till tomorrow morning. Has anyone had the experience of um, running out of milk at night and then getting up in the morning thinking, oh, you didn't, you know, Shane, you didn't get the milk, uh, oh, I'll worry about it tomorrow. But if a friend comes in and they need something, often that, oh, that drives you to do something. And that's the situation here. You think, oh, I better work this out. Nothing to give, nothing to serve. And it's this inconvenience that we're seeing here and I felt that many years ago. In fact, uh, my wife and I, uh, Rhonda, and her two boys, Emma, wasn't born down at Lake Tabari. It's the end of 1990. We're camping at Lake Tabari, as <coughs> many people have done. And it's uh, New Year's night, New Year's Eve. It's after 11 o'clock. Uh, everyone's going back to their tent. It's wet, it's raining, it's cold. And we're just heading off and we go inside the tent and finally sort of start to go to sleep. And outside I hear this thud. Bash, slash. And as a male, you do tend to two things. One... You pretend you're still asleep and didn't hear anything. And then your wife sort of says, did you hear that? Oh, what? Hear what? No. I know you wouldn't do that. Ian, did you hear that? And you're thinking, I couldn't be bothered. The boys are in a separate tent. Next to so I get up, I go outside, open the flap, and he's a very large man, shirt off, twice my size, twice my height, drunk, lying right at the entrance. And... uh, it's getting late and I sort of, just, are you okay? Oh, just, just leave me alone, I'll just sleep. And I'm thinking, oh, and I'm picturing chaos, I'm picturing waking up, pulling the tents down, kids, get, oh, it was all. So to my horror, I went inside and said to Rhonda, look, I think if I'm just rolling out into the rain, he'll wake up. <laughs> Makes absolute sense to me. And Rhonda, to her credit... Ian, you can't do that. He's someone's son. Oh. <laughs> Make you feel guilty. Just put a blanket over him. <sighs> and as all husbands do, Andrew, you learn this? Yes, dear. So we did put a blanket over him and uh, a little later on, uh, not as if he went back to sleep, but he finally got up, you hear a few more things and he wanders off. It's inconvenient. You think, oh... And you all know the inconvenience of life that people ask you things at the wrong time, the wrong way, at the wrong hour. You might be having a, a coffee with a friend and they start to share something and you think, what do I say to that? How do I respond? We see it in so many situations in life. Uh, maybe you're out with a friend for lunch and they pour out a terrible tale of woe and you're thinking, I just don't know how to respond to that. It often happens. And this is what's happening here. And so how does Jesus, he paints this picture and he goes further. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, 
Yet because of your shameless audacity, he will get, surely get up and give you as much as you need. Uh, it's the sense of boldness, shameless audacity. Uh, there's an, a word that you really don't hear much spoken about these days or in the media, gall. This guy has so much gall to get up and do this. And yet, because of what he does, he's going to give him more than he needs. Um, you know, picture the scene. you coming home late from Wollongong. You live up at, at Robertson and you think to yourself, look, I'll just duck into the pie shop. I'll pick up some pies, some bread. I'll get some of those diet healthy apple turnovers because I need those just for the tomorrow morning breakfast. Great, great way to start the day, by the way. Um, and that's shut. So you go home. It's Robertson. It's cold. It's a small village. And then later that night, a friend coming from Wollongong on his way to Canberra. Just, I just know where they... It, Ian leaves, I'll drop in and see him and you, oh, okay, open the door, comes in and you think, I've got nothing to give him. And Robertson, small village, word travels really fast as to how you serve or care for a friend. And so you think, oh, I'm just going to duck over the road to my mate Shane. Uh, I, you know, I'm sure he's got something to help out. So you go to Shane's house and you knock on the door you know, you think, Shane, look, I've got a friend who's just dropped in from Wollongong, he's on his way to Canberra, can you give me something to eat? And Shane's going to say... Get nicked. <laughs> it's your problem, not mine. No, because of that emphasis, because of the boldness of asking, because of that willingness to go and see, there's a response. In fact, you get far more than you could ever imagine. I know many of us might even jump into Luke 18. We know of that story of the uh, widow and the unjust judge and persistence. And there is persistence here, but there's a point about this story that Jesus is trying to help us understand and he wraps it up here in terms of the silence. This thing about engagement, we know God, a lesson about God. We know God, we know this God cares for us, we know this God wants to hear his children's prayers. And Jesus says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be open. Now, if you really, really do want a formula for prayer, then use the word ask. It's fantastic. Ask, the A-S-K stands for ask, seek and knock. There's a formula. Uh, it's thoroughly scriptural. You can hold on to it and you can follow it through. Jesus says, ask. God is not a reluctant God. Too often in life we picture God with our prayers like this guy at the door there. Oh, God. And we've got to, are you there, God? And we go around. <laughs> and it's silent. Prayer is often, more often than not, just silent. And sometimes even people will just, oh, I should bring this to before God. Oh, that'll do. I've prayed now. I'll get on and do it. And I think it's a bit more than that. Frustration can drive you. Oh, just think of Job. Think of the... B-52s, just knock a little bit louder. Knock louder. Knock louder. It's not like that because our attitude is, oh God, come on. We've forgotten that God is on our side. We've forgotten how God loves us. He goes on, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, you'll give him a snake instead or if he asks for an egg, you'll give him a scorpion. It's just so ridiculous 
to say that. Now I know many people have, uh, even in this congregation, have had a good example of a father and a bad example of a father. I don't deny that. But the context is a father who loves his kids as if he's going to do that. How much more will God, who is not reluctant, who does not need being reminded of our situation, will respond and care and answer? And so we get this lesson about life and indeed about prayer. I love what William Temple said, when I pray, coincidences happen, when I don't, they don't. I tell you, it's so true uh, that when you keep praying, you actually keep seeing God at work. When you stop praying, it's like, eh, nothing much seems to be happening right now. You've got to ask yourself the question, dare I use the analogy again of Shane and Greg, but if you want to get more connected with God, then it's going to take time. It's going to take setting aside time to engage with God in prayer. Uh, think about asking. Ask that first aspect of prayer. James 1.5, James 1.5, great part of scripture. Uh, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. So in my life, I need to love others more. I need more wisdom, more power, more strength, more courage, more boldness. I need to ask God for that. James 1 verse 5 helps me in that space. Because James 1, James 1 6 to 8 says, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. And I must confess, my Pentecostal brothers and sisters really helped me profoundly in there because they sent me far more down the spectrum of, I'll ask God, I'm now moving and, and accepted that God's heard me and so he's going to do this. And some of us might look at them and think, huh? But they're right. And we need to realise once we've asked, we've got to believe that God has heard. I know we have wrestles. I have already shared with you, Joe. But often the problem is, what are we asking for? What are you expecting God to do when you ask for things? And don't think I'm not asking, you know, give me a new car, a new house and things like that. Whatever concerns you, make sure you bring it before God though. I don't deny that. But uh, what are we asking for? Faith helps me trust God and move in that reality. The second thing is seek. Seek, search. Seeking is not a single act. It is actually more than just one knock. It's, it's a continual, you're searching. And look, and the great example of, to me anyhow, in terms of scripture and the art of seeking and seeking and searching is the Apostle Paul, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, or because of these surpassing great revelations, therefore in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh to torment me. And you see the Apostle Paul, you'd think, come on God, he's this great servant, what are you doing? Three times I pleaded with the Lord, Heavenly Father, take it away. Heavenly Father, take it away. Come on God. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And what does Paul do after that? Therefore I boast and rejoice more in my weaknesses. And the funny thing is, even with the asking and seeking, Paul didn't get the answer to the prayer he was asking, did he? The Lord said, Paul, it's okay. I'm going to leave those thorns in your side because my grace can cover that. My grace is sufficient for you. It involves a process. 
a process. And sometimes it's like that. I wonder, let me just uh, do a quick test before uh, we get to the end of tonight. How many people here have had prayers answered? Right, so how many people have actually prayed and had prayers answered? Fantastic. How many people here are still waiting for an answer to pray? It goes in the, it goes in the territory. And there's a couple of particular prayers I've been praying for about 35 years. And I think, oh, <laughs> I've got to still wait. I, I don't give up, I keep praying. A lot is to do with family. A lot is to do with their souls. A lot is to do with the lost. And I think, when do you stop when God calls me home? That's when I'll stop. So we keep praying and keep getting different answers. Uh, you know, Paul, this great thing, uh, you know, my grace. Uh, and we've got to hold on to that. Searching prayer can be answered, it can be answered in different ways. And the third level, finally, is just the knocking. Knock. The door is open. Knock. He's not a reluctant God. He wants to engage. He wants to hear the prayers of his children. It, you know, the prayers we have requires knocking. To see communities change requires coming before God and knocking and engaging. And we come before God boldly. We have our own goal. Heavenly Father, can you do this? Knock and the door will be open. This is why a verse 13 captures the reality. Imagine how much more God wants to give you spiritual power and spiritual awareness. It takes power to live the Christian life. There's no two ways about it. It takes spiritual power to live the Christian life. And we all need to be at it and at prayer. Uh, as uh, the band comes up, uh, let me. We have this prayer, which is uh, in the room. We've started to pray this today at the three gatherings before the service. And I'd be good if I've had the church pray this today, so it'd be great if we pray it because we're praying this prayer before every service now, which is a great thing. And probably in a few weeks we'll let you know what the ministries are. We want to encourage you to pray for. But let's say this prayer together. Together, Father, we pray we would be a passionate church of worship, community and mission. Gather your people with expectancy and from a deep engagement with you. May they connect with those they encounter. We pray that today hearts are changed and generosity increases in all areas of life. Lord, entrust to us many guests and may we treat them all as precious to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're praying this every Sunday before services. We encourage you to come along and pray with us to see God move so in months and years to come we'll say God is truly answering these prayers. So we're now going to stand and engage with God and praise his name. Uh, We're going to take a chance to give to the work of ministry so more people can know the love of God. And so uh, if you've got a care card, I encourage you to put that in the bag as it comes around. Keep asking, keep seeking and never stop knocking. Let's stand and rejoice.